Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hartz, and today we continue our 32 for 32 series with a look at the Washington football team. 2020 was a very interesting year for the team, to say the least. Had our usual kind of front office problems going on, but Ron Rivera came in, bring on a new culture, uh, and ultimately overcame his battle with cancer. So hats off to the entire Rivera family, particularly Ron. Season did not start off so hot, though. We got a great win over the Eagles in week one where that D-line showed how monstrous they could be. Five straight losses, beat up on the Andy Dalton-less Cowboys team after they knocked him out of the game. Two and five team entering the bye week, and then something wild happened. Alex Smith, your comeback player of the year, didn't exactly come back on fire, but got the ship uh, turned in the right direction, ripped off a four-game winning streak, ultimately beat some Eagles backups in Week 17 to make the playoffs, where Taylor Heineke provided one of the more surprising playoff performances in an honorable eight-point defeat to the Buccaneers. So this was a 7-9 division-winning team, you know, certainly uh, helped by the NFC East's general destructive nature uh, last season, but as we saw, particularly on the defensive side of things, you know, it's it's kind of uh, one of these things I like to say in the league where a team is one, uh, you know, one quarterback away from being a true contender. In Washington's case, that might actually be close to the case. So I have a very special guest on today to help me decide whether or not that is the case and go over their 2021 offseason. He is an NFL reporter at The Athletic, and you can hear him on the podcast Standig Room Only, which is a very clever name, by the way. Ben Standig, who you can find on Twitter at Ben Standig. That's Ben, S-T-A-N-D-I-G. Ben, thanks for the time, man. Happy offseason. Ian, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And as I said, man, Washington football team, I get it. The offense wasn't fun to watch. And if you're just a you know, big-time <laughs> fantasy football player, you might not uh, really see just kind of the general team uh, roster construction they got going on. But truly, I mean, we got they don't have Kyle Shanahan there anymore, but this is, the roster construction reminds me of a lot of the 49ers and the way they were able to make that 2019 Super Bowl run just by having so many monsters on the defensive line. So, again, you know, we got some holes to fill that we're going to go over, but this team has a very nice core, one of the best position groups in the league in my opinion, in that defensive line. So per usual, we're going to go through three team needs, get some uh, gut feel rounds for kind of some workload questions from Ben, and he'll leave us with a bold take for the offseason. So Ben, why don't you lead things off with your top three needs for the Washington football team's 2021 offseason? Well, uh, I think got to start a quarterback. They they agree, the, the team agrees, and I know they just re-signed Taylor Heineke, and I know a lot of people fell in love with him and his great story um, within that playoff start against Tampa Bay and he acquitted himself nicely and, and he's back, but he's in the mix, but I, to me, he's in the mix realistically for the backup. And so is probably Kyle Allen, who at this moment is an exclusive rights free agent, but everybody assumes he'll be, he will be back. I think Alex Smith is the wild card. I, I would have guessed he's not back from a combination of the, the won't get all the nitty gritty, but the salary, how much, how much they can uh, get in cap relief by releasing him. And obviously how do you rely on him over the course of a season with his with his leg situation and while he was inspiring and a really good great leader um you know the play to play the stats kind of mentioned weren't like you know weren't crushing so i think there's still this idea that they're going to get somebody else here's the problem (laughs) who because they made they they made a play for matthew stafford and to me that wasn't just simply a, a a case of well stafford's really good it's it's at this moment all the deshaun watson and russell wilson stuff until they're available who knows even sam darnold we don't know defensively Stafford was clearly, he had the high, forget that he's good. He had the highest floor. He knew what you were getting. Everybody else is a total wild card. So to me, and also they picked 19th in the first round. So it's possible the top five quarterbacks are all off the board by then. So yes, you could always trade up, but uh, who knows? So to me, I think at quarterback is the big, is the big question Um, for what it's worth. I would personally at this point go for the upside guys, which would be 
some combination of Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, Mitch Trubisky. I don't think Winston gets out of New Orleans, but I would look for those guys as opposed to say the Tyrod Taylor, Andy Dalton. I kind of know what they are, and that's yeah. it's fine. But they, I think they need to go for some, go for a, a big swing and and go there. Um, after that, I think defensively, linebacker is the biggest is the biggest issue. You mentioned how the defensive line and all the studs they have there. I mean. They started four first-round picks last year on the line. The guy who was their leading sacker in 2019, Matt Ioannidis, was out most of last year because of a pectoral injury. Now he comes back. You have Tim Settle. It's a really strong group. But the, the group behind him, a linebacker, you could argue they need three new starters, uh, probably two. I mean, Cole Holcomb going into his third year, I think, continues to show some good things. He's got a lot of speed. John Bostic was their leading tackler. And he plays every down. I think he's very overused in that in that spot. I think ideally he pulls back. You know, they, they, like a lot of teams, they're using a lot of nickel situations. So it's only two linebackers out there a lot. But I think they need another one. Ron Rivera had Luke Keekley at Carolina. It wouldn't surprise me if they do shore up the quarterback situation in free agency that at the 19th pick, a linebacker becomes a very popular mock draft uh, situation at, at a minimum. After that. I guess I would probably go with wide receiver. You've got Terry McLaurin, who's obviously, you know, a, a stud there. And, you know, you've got some interesting guys in Cam Sims, who was the leading receiver in the playoff loss. Um, Antonio Gandy-Golden was their fourth-round pick a year ago out of Liberty. Basically had a redshirt year uh, because of injuries and other things. They need more there. The good thing is this is a really good year to get help receiver help. Free agency is loaded, and this draft is loaded. Um, I we can debate which way they should go on that. And I wrote about that actually today on the athletic sort of how do you factor in the cost of spending in free agency or not? And I, and actually would top end free agent wide receivers actually consider a place like Washington if their quarterback situation is so murky. Anyway, you can read that if you want, but those would be, I think my top three, there's some other ones you could get into, but those would probably be my, uh, my top three. Yeah, it's always tough to kind of make that debate with the wide receiver, uh, you know, if they'll come to a bad situation versus more money. Obviously, Amari Cooper took less money to go to the Cowboys versus coming to Washington a couple off seasons ago. But, you you know, you would imagine there certainly is a right number for most guys out there. I had in my notes Terry McLaurin, objectively a stud. We're in the same wavelength there. But, yeah, let's get another legit number two receiver. And if it is Cam Sims still involved, that's okay. I thought he was very underrated when it came to his ability after the catch. But we just need to put more resources in here. Right now, only the Lions, Steelers, Colts and Jaguars have fewer 2021 dollars devoted to the wide receiver room. I mean, it's nothing against Terry McLaurin. He's great, but we just got to add some sort of resource to try to compliment him. And they have in recent offseason just hasn't been successful. It seems like now that the clock is ticking because the you know, Paul Richardson contract didn't work out again. They tried to sign Cooper. I'm not saying that they haven't, you know, made an effort in past years, but you know, those haven't worked out. And now regardless of who's going to be your quarterback, you got to try to set them up with some level of success. Yeah. So it's interesting. Like I obviously wide receivers get a lot of attention and they, you know, they're very flashy and, and all that stuff. I don't personally like spending like to me, if I was going to rank positions just generally, obviously, you know, when, when you, when you're facing a situation, sure. If Alan Robinson says he wants to come to you, you have to make that kind of call, <laughs> right. But like in general, wide receiver to me ranks fairly low on the list of where I want to spend my assets. It's an incredibly dependent position far away from where the ball is snapped. Those are two negative factors for 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 me and i would um you know like so like and in two years they're gonna have to pay terry mclaurin and not just as a player but as like a leader of this team i'm keeping terry mclaurin so for me like i'm like okay if i'm one if i know in two years i'm gonna have to pay this guy do i really want to spend 15 million dollars a year on pick your free agent receiver you want your 12 to 15 million 
maybe you do, maybe you can uh, structure a contract in a way that in, by the time we get to that point, it's not that big of a deal, but maybe, I mean, it, you know, that's always a tricky situation versus if you draft the guy, then I think, um, you know, you have them on a rookie deal. The problem though is, and I think this is maybe the real debate. I mentioned the quarterback. So if you're looking at, I'm making this up, whether it's Kyle Allen week one, maybe it's Marcus Mariota. That is not enough. You need to give them more help versus if you had a more stable quarterback, maybe you could go the route of like in my um, uh, Washington mock draft, the seven rounds for them. I went with Kadarius Tony at 19, the, the wide receiver out of Florida, sort of a shifty guy who can play in the slot. He seems like the type of guy that works well with offensive coordinator, Scott Turner system. But now you have a, another young inexperienced receiver it's not like these guys haven't come in and, 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 and done well off the bat. We've seen that now the last couple of years, including McLaurin, yeah. but you know, that's, I think that's part of the debate. What do you need to help this quarterback uh, young or not? Um, and I also, I really do like cam Sims, but you know, he's, his consistency hasn't been there yet. And um, you know, they have to kind of figure out where they think he can take another leap. And if so, do you then just look at a slot or, you know, maybe just sort of punt all together and just, um, you know, short up through, through some you know, mid round pick. Yeah. And look, I don't think anyone's doubting McLaurin's ability to be a high-end wide receiver one. It's just we need extra receivers in this offense. Great article on PFF.com from Eric Eager that uh, was uh, published on February 15th that was evaluating the importance of secondary receivers in NFL offenses. And Eric's conclusion at the end of this was basically that the strength of first receivers is actually less important in the playoffs than in the regular season. And we've actually seen third receivers be at least as important as the second one. So, you know, things get tight and teams will eventually take away your Terry McLaurin or your number one receiver, whoever it is. Yeah, you don't need to necessarily devote 120 million to that one spot but you do need to devote at least something to number two and number three spots to make defenses respect that so all in agreement there want to quickly swing back to defense before we get back onto the quarterback and some of these offensive questions because you know you brought up linebacker to me cornerback also is maybe something to take a look at you know ronald darby free agent jimmy moreland kendall fuller good not great last year but at the end of the day, they've devoted all these first-round picks in defensive line. We, we should probably just expect them to be, you know, average, below average the other spots because it's hard to be, you know, that good all across the defense when you have put, again, that many first-round picks into one group. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's sort of a bizarre circumstance. Like, I, I think if you had said going into the 2020 draft, like months out, what position should they not take? like defensive line would have probably been pretty high on the list. And then the draft unfolds the way it does. They have the second pick. And yes, I know there are people now going, oh, they should have taken Justin Herbert or whatever. Oh, okay, I get that. But like that aside, Chase Young, I mean, and it's not like Chase Young was terrible by any stretch of the imagination, defensive rookie of the year. He shows all the traits of being a really elite player going forward. So they're happy with that. And, you know, they'll have some questions on the line pre coming up pretty soon about, how do you keep them all? But that's uh, for a different d discussion, but you're right. So now the question becomes, well, how do you fill in these back needs? They were, uh, I don't know if lucky is the right word, but they were very fortunate, I guess you could say to, to find cam curl in the seventh round who became not just a starter when some injuries happened, a really good player. I mean, he arguably, I think probably was overlooked in the defensive uh, rookie of the year category, just in terms of just getting some more votes and attention. Yeah, Ronald Darby was a was a really good pickup for them last year. Signed him to a one year deal. It's never been the talent issue with him. It's just been durability. He misses a bunch of games. Last year he played in all sixteen, and I think that he's going to be really interesting. Logically, I think they're going to want to keep him. This is not a great free agent class from corners, and I know some other teams are, are are interested. So that'll be a debate for Washington. What kind of offer does he does he get if he were to leave? 
then absolutely corner jumps way high on the list. Fabian Moreau, who was essentially their fourth corner, is also a free agent. I doubt he comes back. And Jimmy Moreland is an interesting guy in the slot, but he's not a guy I don't think you want out there. He's pretty small. You don't want him out there every game. So Darby was their most consistent guy. I think they – if I say they kind of have to keep him, I, I don't ever like putting the – like you have to as if, if you don't, it's a disaster. But if you don't, then, yeah, cornerback really jumps up uh, to their needs list. Yeah, Ronald Darby, PFS, 14th highest-graded cornerback last year. No interceptions, but, I mean, hey, when they're not throwing the ball your way, that's a, that's a win for the defense anytime. And, yeah, to your point, he did miss at least five games from 2017 and 2019. So maybe they get him you know, on a shorter one year, give him a good chunk of change, stay healthy, get a longer-term deal after that. We shall see. Let's move on to the offense. We're going to go through some just workload-related 2021 questions here. Now, we are recording this on February 17th, so Ben cannot predict the future, but with the best of – Yeah, with, exactly. With the best – that we know right now we'll get your thoughts on these starts off with the quarterback room you alluded to this and i was going to ask about if he could actually be a cap casualty because you're looking at the cap savings man potentially 15 million in 2021 21 million in 2022 with that uh pre-june one cut taylor heineke resigned that's great but man like we gotta do something big here you use the first round pick on dwayne haskins in 2019 got absolutely nothing about it i guess my concern here is that I felt like in the whole Haskins situation, awful quarterback, sure. There was a lot of just decisions that I felt were almost made trying to put PR first and, uh, you know, okay, yeah, like Haskins going to a strip club when your coach has cancer. That's a terrible decision. We have seen worse characters in the NFL than Dwayne Haskins, though. And, like, is cutting Alex Smith realistic with all this stuff? Because, yeah, man, he was a he was a bad quarterback last year. Great story. We all agree that he won the comeback player of the year. He should have. Can we really be confident they're going to do the right football thing and cut him, though? Because, again, this would probably be something that wouldn't be giving them the best, you know, PR just segment on the news. And I feel like they have been kind of letting that influence their decision making. Am I wrong here? A little bit. (laughs) I I don't know if you're wrong. I don't think Ron – I mean, I think – look, I think Ron Rivera is very media savvy, and I think he understands perception um, is is important for sure. Um, You know, on on the Alex Smith front, look, obviously, like you said, it's an amazing story. Uh, He – but I think – to some degree with Washington, they have done it all the right way with, with him to this point. He's gotten an, an insane amount of attention all the way up to a 60 minutes interview, comeback player of the year. Uh, that, that that ESPN documentary, obviously, that sort of kicked things off was just, you know, really tough to watch and, and to, to see what he did. And he did have some really good games this year. I mean, the, 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 you go back and we'll look at the, the games against Detroit. Uh, they had a big comeback. They lost in the end. But he really was putting up good numbers when they beat Pittsburgh to give the Steelers their first loss. He was really good. I think the issue became, for me, late in the season, he suffers what uh, was described initially as a calf injury. Then later we hear it's a bone bruise. And that knocked him out of three of the last four games, including the playoff game. And that, to me, is the issue. Like, it's not just even the money on some level. A player that you perceive as your starting quarterback – needs to be available for 16 games. And obviously injuries happen. Nobody would predict that Dak Prescott, you know, goes out the way he did, but just in general, that you have to do this in, in three of the in two of the last three years, Washington has started, has had a season where they started four different quarterbacks. The first time that happened was Jay Gruden, not Ron Rivera, but nonetheless, like they have since Kirk cousins left on some level, that's been the biggest issue any consistency with the position. So I think they would like to figure that out. But again, the options aren't so great. I, I, I think ultimately they do move on from Alex Smith and also in part of it from the business perspective, you know, Washington has about the fifth or sixth most cap space right now, as we're talking, the only move they really have of any realistic way to get more is releasing Alex Smith. I looked down the list and I wrote about this today on the, um, on the athletic is that 
the next guy that you could even consider releasing would be like John Bostic. And that saves you like 2.6 million. Alex Smith is roughly over 14 million. So if you want him to have any real extra savings, it's moving on from him. And then even if you did sign, pick whoever else you want or, you know, or trade for somebody like the money that they're going to get at worst would be come in line with where you were with Alex Smith. Yeah. And you, you know, so and probably more of a long-term deal and probably, like I said, a steadier option. So I think Alex Smith, though, is such a great leader in the locker room, is such a great leader in the locker room, and Ron Rivera covets that. So that would be the one question I would have. But ultimately, if you make me guess, I I just don't think he's part of the the depth chart next year. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to get your shot to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. That's promo code PFF for new customers to get a shot at 100 to 1 odds on any basketball team to hit a three-point shot only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Michigan, or Virginia only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or an Indiana 1-800-9 with it in Virginia call 888-532-3500 PFF and Sunday Night Football's Chris Collinsworth is teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field 49ers All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman. The Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcast. They'll provide the most interesting football conversations and sports every single week, and sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field too. Additionally, Chris will be taking a dive into the game of football as he sees it, inviting in the best and brightest to talk about everything that is happening in the great game of football. Mark your calendars. You do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season. And now back to the podcast. And again, I mean, every time everyone's going to bring up Alex Smith, it's going to be, you know, followed by a great story and, you know, fantastic job by him. Certainly do feel like if they do, you know, release him, it's going to come off as, oh, we, we've mutually agreed to part ways. You know, there's no uh, bad feelings here. Quickly, here are the quarterbacks drafted by Washington since 2000. Dwayne Haskins, Nate Sudfeld, Robert Griffin, Kurt Cousins, Colt Brennan, Jordan Palmer, Jason Campbell, Gibran Hamden. I did not make that up. Patrick Ramsey, Sage Rosenfels, and Todd Husak. Look, man, I mean, we just need something to happen here. Some pick to go right, some free agent signing to work out, because really it's been, you know, and we could even go back before 2000, just decades worth of misses here. So hopefully they get this figured out. Maybe Heineke, maybe Heineke's it, maybe not. Maybe they sign someone. We will see. I like a call about Jameis or Mariota. Let's at least find someone that has some upside, not one of these proven commodities. Let's move on to the running back room, because, you know, last year in fantasy land, everyone was so hyped about Antonio Gibson because – Comes out, running back wide receiver hybrid. And by week two, he had the early down job pretty much ahead of Peyton Barber, save for a few carries here. And yet it was J.D. McKissick who ends up being used as a receiver more than anyone other than Alvin Kamara throughout this entire year. It was surprising because Gibson was primarily a wide receiver in college. Understand the pass blocking concerns and stuff like that, particularly once we brought Alex Smith under center. But hopefully now year two. Gibson knows the offense better. Ideally, he's you know more suited to be a full-time NFL running back. McKissick. He's probably going to be back, though. Do you see Gibson being a true three-down workhorse in 2021, or are fantasy managers going to continue to be annoyed about how involved McKissick is in the offense? Yeah, I, I think they'll probably be annoyed. I mean, I think <laughs> I think <laughs> here's the thing, though, with Gibson, right? I mean, going in, coming out of college, he had less than 40 carries as a run, or, you know, as a runner his last year at Memphis. That is a paltry amount. And you could see early in the year, he struggled with some of the basic things like, you know, finding the right holes and things like that. But he also progressed a lot as the season went along. Um, you know, as we all kind of know, touchdowns could be a bit, the, the variance can be tough. It just all depends on, you know, 
where you know where the ball is right i mean especially if you're talking around you know, inside the five yard line and and things like that uh mckissick you know so when we talked before about the the, the lack of wide receiver or, or that they need for more wide receiver the thing is though you have mclaurin Logan Thomas was a big find last year at tight end, but McKissick and Gibson are two former receivers who, who now play running back and they give you a lot in the passing game. So, you know, I, I was surprised maybe to a degree that they didn't play two more two back sets in that they talked in preseason about the idea of, okay, so we have Gibson at, or, you know, or even just with one of the, like you have Gibson and McKissick out there, Defense is now have to make a decision. Are we pulling three linebackers? Or are we going with the nickel? So if you go with the nickel, go with the run. If you go with the with the, with the standard base, you go with uh, uh, you, you have them like, you know, move outside and, and into a receiver route. And I, I think maybe we see more of that. Obviously, this was a weird year because of the pandemic and lack of practice, uh, preseason work, and things like that. Um, but yeah, I think McKissick is here to stay. I think he's going to be a factor. But at the same time, I think Gibson could easily jack up his yardage total. Um, because he's not going to be coming in as green or raw as he was as a runner. So I think there's optimism there. And plus, like, the left side of their offensive line was pretty questionable up until about the halfway point of the year. Uh, once Cornelius Lucas and Wes Schweitzer came in at tackle and guard, things settled down, which isn't to say those guys are, you know, for old football Washington fans, Joe Jacoby or Russ Grimm. It just goes to show, like, having even just sort of steady presence help and if they actually spend that first round pick or, or uh, say on a left tackle or do what something maybe it even gets better which is only going to help uh the running game out and look gibson i mean 206 touches in 14 games and again it kind of took a while for him to even get really uh, in tune with the offense i guess uh you know just the expectation was when we had ron and we had kyle allen for at least for you know part part of the season starting it was like could we actually be getting a dc version of christian mccaffrey antonio gibson wasn't quite the way it worked out i guess my last question here with the running back room I get it. McKissick's going to be there. We can live with two back committees and fancy. That's when things go to three or four that really gets problematic. You know what the Patriots right. have been doing for years. Peyton Barber, is he going to be back in 2021? And if not, could you see Bryce Love finally, if he's healthy, making this more of a three back committee? Or are we probably just going to be looking at Gibson and McKissick? I mean, Barber was incredibly efficient on the third and one and fourth and ones. Anything else? <laughs> No. And I think fortunately for them, they recognized that early enough and shy moved away from that. Like I never really bought in. I mean, you know, anybody who pays attention recognizes his yards per carry has gone down every year of his career. But like, you know, when he, he basically became the poor man's Adrian Peterson, a, a, a veteran presence to help with these younger guys once they moved on from Peterson, which I thought was the right move in the moment. And obviously I think proved to be, um, so I can easily see him back in that role of all parts are willing. The Bryce love thing though, is a complete, uh, you know, it's a medical question. He's just simply not been able to stay healthy on that knee that he hurt um, in his last game at Stanford. And, 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 you know, there were a couple moments in, in the train training camp where he looked okay, but obviously it just, it just didn't work. Um, if he's able to be healthy, then yeah, I, I could imagine maybe he kind of emerges in the Peyton Barber role at a minimum and, and could be interesting. I, I, you know, as it stands here until we have a much clearer view of his, um, health going into I, I don't know if we'll have OTAs or whatever but like going into some type of practice time it's just hard to predict where he'll be so I think you know if you're if you're if you're in some crazy league where you're drafting now I think you're good drafting Gibson and McKissick and not worrying about anybody else 
Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, people look. McKissick is going to be involved. Gibson still certainly deserves to probably be a top fifteen, maybe even top twelve running back selected. Just realize as long as McKissick is stealing those ever fantasy friendly targets, it's going to be tough to truly get Gibson into that top five, top six range. That uh, it, you know it says potential range of outcomes. McKissick goes down, we could be talking, but we got to again realize that this is what Washington's going to do, not what we want Washington to do. <laughs> Let's uh, finish things out with the passing game here. Uh, you mentioned Terry McLaurin again, just from a leadership perspective and how the Washington football team might be down and just lock him in long-term uh, sooner rather than later. I mean, look, 919 yards and seven touchdowns in 14 games of rookie, 1,100 yards and four touchdowns in 2020. I'm already calling him kind of like this generation's Allen Robinson, who is his generation's Andre Johnson of, can we get this guy a freaking legit quarterback? But regardless of that, I mean, it sounds like Washington is fully committed to McLaurin as a number one receiver, even though you could argue, I guess, that he's kind of been the only guy to throw the ball to. We all know he's great, and it seems like Washington particularly values what he's brought into the locker room. Absolutely. I mean, it was, you know, I'm, I'm a bit, I'm around athletes a, a, a fair amount, but I covered in addition to covering this team, I've covered the NBA extensively and, you know, you talk to guys and, you know, people are people but once in a while you come across somebody and you start talking to them and you're like, Whoa, 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 what is going on here? There's like another level of person here that the, there's something, there's a, there's something going on here from like a maturity level. And, and he was older than your average rookie, but he came in and you could just tell there was more happening. And, you know, you go back to when he was in the going into the draft, people were talking about him as his special teams work. When, when Washington drafted him in the third round, that was like the way the, the, he was being discussed. Like he would be more of a contributor on special teams initially, not even as a returner, like just on special teams because he's just that, 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 that dynamic in that case. And then quickly he became much more than that. And it wasn't just that he has great speed, which he does. His route running is really precise. And then once he started getting in the locker room, he's the, he is the classic type of guy, you know, hard worker um, is coachable. Everybody, all the coaches love him. And it's the kind of guy where you can point to, and this is where I think to broaden it out with Washington, if you want to be actually optimistic with Washington, not just because of how they finished, but like for real, I always say it's not just enough to have good talent. You have to have good talent in with players who understand what it means to win, who work hard. And with McLaurin and Chase Young in particular, you have two guys on both uh, one on each side of the ball that represent that. I wrote an article during the year about you know, the grind that these guys have and how that's the type of thing a coach like Ron Rivera can point to and say, look, don't, don't watch what they do because they're the best player. Watch them because they're the hardest worker. And that, I think, is really what can separate a team um, and, and having a guy like that. So, yeah, I, don't, I would be surprised to see him get away. Again, they have him on the rookie deal for two more years, so that's not going – he's not going anywhere. But, uh, uh, but, yeah, he's exactly the type of guy you want to build around. And now, yes, like you said, it would be good to get – imagine what he could do with a steadier QB yeah. play. As uh, Bill Belichick once said, talent sets the floor, character sets the ceiling. Certainly seems like Washington got a good one in Terry McLaurin. Yeah, man, look, I'm Columbus, Ohio lifer, diehard Buckeyes fan. Like, I knew McLaurin was good from watching him there, but especially those Urban Meyer offenses, like we saw Michael Thomas not kind of get this type of hype that obviously he uh, deserved coming out. Like, it wasn't that McLaurin couldn't do these things that we've now seen on full display in Washington. He just wasn't asked to. Great to see that, you know, put him against professional athletes. The guy somehow gets better as a true receiver. <laughs> Hopefully more as to come from Terry. 
great. Last thing before we get your bull call, and that is Logan Thomas, man. Absolutely balled out down the stretch. I mean, at the beginning of the year, at least in fantasy land, when he kind of came on the radar, I was like, all right, here's a near full-time player, uh, you know, athletic enough, but it was just more of a target volume and snap uh, kind of distribution type of a reasoning for why you should pick him up. By the end of the year, this guy was just making great plays week after week after week. They really seemed to have a plan for using him. I love when they would motion him across, particularly with Alex Smith on the center. They weren't going to let him do QB sneaks. Motion your 6'6", you know, 250 tight end. Let him be the one to go under center. So adds a lot of versatility to the offense. With that said, you know, not, not exactly the youngest guy. He does turn 30 in July. He signed through 2021. Do you think they need to see this for another year, or are you confident that Logan Thomas will be a member of this team in 2022 and beyond? Um, well, you know, I guess, I guess it's like with anything, right. It's just, you know, it depends if he hits, if he becomes a free agent, then, you know, where is he, is he, you know, is he an Austin Hooper situation where somebody just throws some, uh, some big money at him and, and all that. So that, that part's hard to tell, but yeah, I mean, he really was a big surprise to me. <coughs> Excuse me. He, uh, you know, I wasn't expecting much to me. I kept, I constantly going into the season, kept saying tight end is a big question mark. Logan Thomas was a backup, not the starter but they didn't have a starter. So therefore he was, and you know, it started slow, but eventually he just kept making plays after plays after play. And, and, you know, obviously some quarterbacks like going to their tight end, clearly Alex Smith did, and they just kept throwing him and he just kept making plays. So they do need like the backup tight end to me is very high on the needs list, but it's the backup tight end. So we're not talking about that. Uh, in a, you know, what are you doing for agents or the draft, but they need more depth behind him for sure. But he improved, he improved as the blocker as well. So, um, you know, I guess you could say, sure, it's only been essentially, it was only his one real year as a tight end. So let's see what happens next. But, you know, just in general, another one of these guys, you know, worked hard, um, did the right things. And, uh, and there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about him. You know, for talking fantasy, I'm not quite sure where he would rank among guys, but he was productive. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's going to be involved. And again, until they solve that second or maybe even third receiver position, He's going to be the second guy, more or less, after McLaurin. So in that position, I think he's in a really good spot. Yeah, I mean, the 110 targets, like, okay, if they add someone legit at receiver, it makes sense if he doesn't quite see that many again. But, I mean, this is one of the few tight ends where he legit never was leaving the field. I mean, you can call He played basically in the last, I don't know, two months of the year. He was playing almost every snap, every game. And, and again, part of that was they just had nothing behind him of any real note, but also – it was just hard to take him off the field. And he also gave him like, they did some like, you know, Scott, Scott Turner, the offensive coordinator was doing some um, aggressive sort of trickery kind of plays. And Logan Thomas was often in that a former college quarterback took some direct snaps. Um, you know, he, he was, he was a factor in, in those ways as well. So I think they like his versatility and now in that way, no, he's not going to be part of the QB competition, even though <laughs> I think some people would say, Hey, why not? That'd be kind of fun. God, yeah. The, the Logan Thomas used to play QB has become the new, like Chris Hogan used to play lacrosse uh, thing as far as NFL the, commentators Chris, go. Chris Hogan does play lacrosse now. Now he does. So now it's all coming back <laughs> to the circle uh, for sure. Unreal. Freaking Chris Hogan. All right. All right, Ben. Fantastic stuff. Do you have a bold offseason free agency draft or even like a 2021 workload? Bold take you'd like to give us before you get out of here? Well, you know, if we had done this before the Stafford thing all went down, I would have said they would have made a big push for Stafford. I was saying that, like, because it just made sense to me that that, that they would. I, I don't know. I'm trying to think. What, I, I, none of these quarterback situations are, are that bold to me. I guess for everybody who's who keeps thinking Washington will take a quarterback in the first round, I guess maybe my bold prediction is I don't think they will. Okay. Um, I think they figure something out before free agency and then go in, because they do like Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke, regardless of what, anybody else kind of thinks of them. They do like them. And I kind of imagine maybe they view them as some sort of 
the upside hope and and see so factor in that the board is you know it feels like even mac jones might not be there at 19 and i don't know if i see washington being an aggressive trade-up kind of team for a quarterback I, i also think if you view them as a team that if they view themselves as a team that is on the cusp trading up for trey lance or whomever, like, you're probably going to have to wait. I understand Justin Herbert came in and crushed it right off the bat, but that's not the norm as we see yeah. typically. So do they want to wait, especially after what Ron Rivera endured last year with Dwayne Haskins? So I, I, I guess my bold prediction is they won't actually go in the first round and take a quarterback. don't know how bold that is, but that would be my take because I know all the mock drafts still have them doing that one way or the other. Yeah, if they're not taking a quarterback in the first round, they're trading that pick for another quarterback. So might not be what, uh, you know, fans out there want to hear, but it could unfortunately be another season of, you know, less than stellar quarterback player. Maybe we'll be surprised. Got plenty of time to find out. So that's going to do it, everybody. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Make sure you follow Ben on Twitter, at Ben Standig. Ben, where can they uh, read and hear you? Yeah, uh, check out The Athletic, obviously. And yeah, you mentioned my podcast earlier. I appreciate that. Standard room only. Lots of, uh, you can get that wherever you do your podcast. I had, uh, I've had on uh, recently, Jay Gruden was a, was a fun interview that got some attention. I uh, had Bill's GM, Brandon Bean on. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, had Antonio Gibson on recently as well. So check, uh, check it out. Fantastic. That's Stan Dig room only. When I got this podcast, they asked me if I wanted a name. I thought about puns with my last name, but none of them were appropriate. And luckily, Ben has a very good one there. Stan Dig room <laughs> only. Again, ben, at Ben Standig on Twitter. Check out his stuff at The Athletic. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, everyone. He's Ben. I'm Ian. And until next time, take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.